Welcome to another exciting episode of the Fire and Water Podcast, the official podcast of AquamanShrine.net and FirestormFan.com. I'm one of your hosts, the Irredeemable Shag from Firestorm Fan. Along with me, as always, is my co-host, nobody. That's right. Rob's not here, folks. You may know that Rob's a, an executive in the movie trailer business, and apparently he, it's kind of strange, he was commandeered by the U.S. military? Something to do with being ordered to remove all the Fantastic Four movie trailers from theaters around the country? I don't know. I, I'm pretty sure I heard the words Josh, Trank, and Sanction. I don't know. I just know that it's keeping him pretty busy. So while my annoying co-host is thankfully not here, good news is for you, I won't actually be flying solo. In my line of work as a snake oil salesman, I travel a lot. And back in June on episode 130, you heard a live recording from New Jersey with myself, Rob, and Gene Hendricks. Today, I'm going to be bringing you the next installment in the Fire and Water Podcast World Tour 2015. In just a few moments, we'll be traveling to Raleigh, North Carolina, and catching up with longtime nuclear sub Keechi Baker. We'll be discussing Firestorm and DC Comics. After that, we'll travel to Charlottesville, Virginia, and have a chat with fellow podcasters Tom Panarese and Stella Bowman, and each of us will share our comic book origin stories. But before that, folks, let's take a second to thank our sponsor. This episode of the Fire and Water Podcast is sponsored in part by InStockTrades.com. InStock Trades is your best online source for trades, hardcovers, and other collected editions, all for up to 42% off with free shipping for orders of $50 or more. In the spirit of our guest today, I've picked a couple of related items. First up is The Nom, Volume 1, trade paperback. This collects the first 10 issues of that classic run, written by Doug Murray, with art by Michael Golden and Wayne Van Zant. Uh, it's 248 pages. 
normally retails for $29.99. You can get it right now for 42% off. That's only $17.39. And this is a real interesting exploration into what it was like to be a soldier in Vietnam. So in comic book form. So check that out. Up next is Batgirl, Trade Paperback Volume 1, The Batgirl of Burnside. And this is the very recent New 52 story uh, written by Cameron Stewart and Brennan Fletcher, art by Babs Tarr. And this sort of picks up where Babs is, is moved to a certain area of Gotham called Burnside. She sort of reinvented herself. New costume, new attitude, new look. Uh, it was, I don't want to call it a soft reboot, but to some extent it was. It, it reinvigorated the Batgirl title. Really great stuff. This collects issues 35 through 40. Has 176 pages. Normally retails for $14.99. Again, you can get that for 42% off, and that is $8.69. Heck of a deal. So for all your trade paperback needs, visit InStockTrades.com. All right, folks. Well, now we are going to transport you to O'Malley's Pub and Restaurant in Raleigh, North Carolina, where we'll pick up, and you'll hear from Keith G. Baker and I as we discuss whatever the heck we felt like at the time. Hello, coming to you live from Raleigh, North Carolina. This is the Irredeem Mobile Shag, and I am sitting here with Mr. Keith G. Baker. Hey, guys. How's it going? In the realm of Firestorm fans, you are probably the first Firestorm fan I ever ran into on the internet. Oh, really? Yeah. Well, to tell the people at home where we met. I started a website called The Nuclear Fan. <laughs> and I can say it, so... I cannot. <laughs> I don't really know what I was trying to do. I was really just trying to uh, compile all the uh, the appearances of Firestorm yeah. that were out there. Nerdy completists. Yeah, pretty pretty much it was it was satisfying my OCD. Wasn't um, it uh, built on GeoCities or something like that? I think. I believe it was Tripod. Tripod. It was Tripod. Yeah. Oh, what a blast from the past. It was Tripod. So I was doing that, and then I started just uh, the main front page was a news, which I guess I was doing blogging before there was blogging, but um, yeah, it's true. So this was about 2003, I think. 2003, somewhere yeah. around there. Somewhere around the time that they were getting ready to launch the uh, the new Firestorm series, the new Jason Rush series. Yep. Which, as you know, I love. So, <laughs> so uh, as I was building that, I it w- was around the same time that I had my daughter, and then I just abandoned the site. <laughs> How long did you do it for? It was probably over a year, uh, probably about a year and a half. Okay. Probably not quite two. For, the, for those of you at home, just so you know, his site was pretty is pretty much responsible for this podcast because he created that site and I got in touch with him. I was so such a dork fanboy. I wanted to be part of anything Firestorm at that point, so I reached out to him and, and I actually did a graphic or two for him for his website because I had Photoshop. And I thought it was all hot shit. Years later, around 2009, when I decided I want to do something, I was still thinking about your site, which, by the way, is still up. That's sort of inspired. It's one of the inspirations that led me to do Firestorm Fan, which led us to do with this podcast. So it's all your fault, Keith G. Baker. <laughs> and by the way, I can't say your name without the G for some reason. Well, the whole reason I did the G that that goes way back when, but the G stands for my dad's name, and <laughs> and also I realized at a very young age that my initials spell KGB, which yes they do, which causes causes some looks. So. <laughs> <laughs> See, I'm surprised you never did anything with like KG Beast as an online screen name. Well, no, I, I didn't really know what KG Beast was. Like, oh. like I told you, I, I wasn't reading '90s comics until <laughs> recently. So you missed a lot of great stuff. I, that's my understanding. I'm, <laughs> I'm getting into guns and pouch pockets now. There you go. So. You got to read uh, DC Bloodlines. There's something for you. Oh, really? Well, no, no. 
Do not read it. <laughs> you won't thank me. Well, like I told you earlier, I'm reading Guy Gardner now, so... Very cool. That's Very it. cool. That's some good stuff. So we also met around the same time on the DC message boards. Ah, uh, yeah. For yeah. those of you in the, who are newbies, you probably don't realize DC actually had a message board before they decided they didn't like their fans and shut it down. <laughs> it was a wonderful place to get into fights and eventually make up. So. That's right. And you were uh, Buddy Baker. I was there. Buddy Baker on the message board, so anybody out there remembers me, uh, say hi. Yeah, that's a good point. If you were ever on the DC message boards, especially if you're on the Firestorm board, write in and tell us what your handle was. Because I mean, those were those, those were like you know the wilderness years of internet fandom. Exactly. Uh, pretty much uh, the Firestorm fans at that at that point uh, had carved us out our, a little uh, corner on the Justice League message board. Yeah, that's right. And uh, we kept. Uh, strings going that basically just said Firestorm at the time. <laughs> and uh, it would get uh, get to be up to about 25 or 30 pages. And then they would delete the, sh- the thread for some reason. Oh, do they really? Yes, they did. And that was when I started learning how to take screenshots. <laughs> and, uh, and I would take screenshots of the last couple of pages every now and, th- now and then. And uh, when we started up another thread called Firestorm 2. <laughs> Electric Boogaloo. Yeah. Uh, we would resume our conversations after we oh, found each interesting. other. Interesting. Yeah, I remember there was a guy, Rick Rickshaw, maybe he was on there. Okay. I, I, I don't remember too many names, but I, I remember him a lot because we talked back and forth. In fact, I, I thought you were Rickshaw. No, it wasn't me. No, I was trying to remember my handle. It, at one point, my handle was Superhero Squad after the, the All-Star comics from the 70s. Right. They brought the JSA back. The, the Super Squad. Not also, yeah, Super, Super Squad. Squad. That's what I'm trying. Super Squad was my handle for a long time. Yeah. And then... And I had another because I know I like I lost the password or something stupid, you know? <laughs> right? <laughs> and so I changed my handle at one point. I cannot remember what my other handle was, but uh, I was probably Firestorm fan by the end of it. Okay, you know because well I don't know when did they sh- they shut them down? I don't know. I, I know that around the time they shut them down, I went to the Jeff Johns message board. Yep. Yeah, um, I, was, I remember that. We went back over there. Um, that must have been I don't know. That was probably around two thousand one ish. Yeah, because he was somewhere around there. No, that was after that. Because well, okay. well, the the Jason Rush series was two thousand three, two thousand four, right? And that would have been when we were on the DC boards, right? The DC boards, I know it was the late nineties, like ninety seven, ninety eight. Oh, really? Okay, see, I don't, I wasn't fooling around with it till the two thousand. Okay, yeah, but yeah, so and then they shut it down around, I don't know, two thousand, somewhere between two thousand five and two thousand ten. I would say they shut it down. I don't know. I blame Dan Didia. For pretty much everything. Quite but, possibly. Yeah. I can see that, actually. <laughs> um, but yeah, then a lot of us ended up at Jeff John's board. Mm-hmm. I remember that. Comic Block something, or was it was the... Comic Block, I think, ran the Jeff John's board? I think that's what it was. was part of the Comic yeah. Block yep. forums or whatever it was. And he was, uh, he was writing Flash by that, probably. He was writing Flash. Um, he had just finished Stars and Stripes. I was not a fan. You weren't a fan of Stars and Stripes, really? I tried. I mean, it had, like, it's, it's like a cake that's baked wrong for me. It had all the right ingredients. You know, it had a fun artist. It had, you know, this cute teenage hero that I loved. I love teenage heroes. It had, you know, a giant robot. It had Shining Knight. You know, it had all this cool JSA stuff, but it just didn't work for me. Oh, well. I, that was around the time I was getting back into comics, and I, I really dug it. I, I yeah. mean, you know, I mean, just the JSA history, I was finally finally getting into the whole um, merged universe where Earth 1 and Earth 2 are now one. You, you're talking about post-crisis? Yes, post-crisis. For, it started in 1986? Yes. You, I, I still have scars from that. You are a holdout that long? Yes. I, in fact, that scarred me when I was a kid. That was I was... <laughs> I was four, I was fourteen, and 
crisis happened. And at that point, with comics, by the end of the story, whether it's two or three issues or whatever, everything went back to normal. Right. I think that was the first time I realized that things didn't go back to normal anymore. Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> and I didn't like that as being a 14-year-old. I wanted things to be normal. <laughs> So you're saying you don't like change? I hate change. <laughs> I despise change. So, so are, how do you feel now with the new 52? The new 52 or the new new 52? Well, it's it, I guess there's the new 52 and then there's the DCU. DCU. With, is that with a U with a exclamation mark or a <laughs> hashtag or something on it? I probably some some sort of internet thing, I'm sure. Yeah, we're, we're all taking selfies on the cover of Batgirl and that I, okay yeah and there was a selfie month no that, that was part of the new 52 that was before okay. that no. okay. DC new, DCU is just since Convergence that's only like three months old now yeah Convergence the thing that strung everybody along I bought a bunch of it I didn't mean to I, I did too I like some of it I, even though I my voice I, went up all squeaky when I said that just now but I knew the entire time we, I was being catfished but I went along with it <laughs> So, well, we got to see Clark and Lois together again. I liked that. We did, we did. But then we come back to t-shirt, t-shirt Clark. So, but have you heard about the new book they've announced? Yes, where it's going to be kind of Lois and Clark with a baby, but. And I think they're in the. If I understood right, and if I'm wrong at home, don't write in and tell me. I don't care. Uh, I think they're. I think it's Lois and Clark with the kid. Yeah. And I think they're in like the regular DC universe. Like, the New 52 universe is where they live now. So that means, if that's the case, that means Superman has been there for the last three years. Like, our Superman has been there for the last three years. How come he hasn't, like, been saving the day? Right, exactly. So maybe maybe there's an explanation. Maybe this kid is going to uh, push a piano across the, <laughs> across the room at the end of it or something. Could be. I mean, I, I don't, I don't know. I, I don't. Dan Jurgens is writing it though, so that might be a saving grace. That is a plus. Is he drawing it? No, I don't think. I think the artist is good though too. So I mean, that's something. Well, yeah. I mean, that might actually get me interested in Superman for the first time in a while. So you don't like change, and we got to know each other in 2003, right before the Jason Rush series launched. I remember, in fact, if you go out to his website, which is still out there, you can find a link on Firestorm Fan, by the way. It's Nuclear Fan. Nu- Dot tripod.com. Nu- nuclear, nuclear, whatever. Damn it. Nuclear. Fan. Fan. Yes. <clears throat> Which, by the way, Firestorm fan, you notice a little similarity there? You can go out there and, like, the last couple posts are about, like, oh, yeah, it looks like the, this Jason Rush. You know, it's, it's, it's about the Jason Rush Firestorm. You can tell you clearly lost interest at that point. Well, the whole thing is that they built it up. There's going to be a new Firestorm series. Yes, it's true. Which is awesome. There's a new Firestorm series. That's wonderful. Been looking forward to it. Then all of a sudden, they started releasing images. Well, you know, that doesn't quite look like Ronnie. What's going a, on? He's got glowing tattoos on his yeah, face. Yeah, he's got tattoos. He looks kind of like uh, kind of like Mike Tyson with the tattoos on his face. Yeah. I don't know. What are we going to do? So then I still bought the issues. I was, yep. I was all in. I still supported the series. Okay, that's good. Yeah, I was still excited that Firestorm was on the cover of a... <laughs> of a ma- of a magazine. Yeah, so. I'll be honest; those early issues are not my favorite. Um, up through issue, probably was it like ten or something like that, are not that great. And that's not the writer's fault. He was given a mandate of what direction to take it. He wanted to make it very sort of classic Firestorm, but with Jason. And they told him no; they couldn't, wouldn't let him use any of the villains, any of that. But then at the end, when uh, I'm blanking on his name. The guy wrote Dan Jolly. Dan Jolly. He brought in Ronnie. 
He brought in Killer Frost. He brought in. He brought in the whole Rose Gallery. Right. He brought in Ronnie to kill him again. Yes. <laughs> yes, he did. Okay. Now I've met Dan Jolly. He's a very nice fellow. He is a nice guy, isn't he? Yes. When I told him I ran a firestorm site, he looked at me and goes, "Really? <laughs> <laughs> it's like there's a whole site to firestorm." <laughs> now the Stuart Moore run was great when they brought in Professor Stein. Yes. Okay. So now I put this to you. Uh, Jason has been part of Firestorm's life now for 11 years. 11 years. Yes. Uh, hold on, I'm not done. You, you okay. pipe down there, buddy. <laughs> uh, Ronnie was created in 1977. Ten years later, we got the blank slate era. So Ronnie wasn't even around 11 years before everything got screwed up and got changed. Right. And then you get the elemental version a year or two years later. So Firestorm's been about change a long time. I, Jason, by being around for 11 years, I think you have to sort of give him credit now. Uh, you could do that, or you could actually think about the number of actual stories he's been in in 11 years. Okay. Let's look at the actual number of stories that Jason has been in, or has he been a placeholder saying, yeah, there's a Firestorm out there somewhere, but we're he's just not interesting enough for us to write anything about it. However, Ronnie was appearing in... Justice League. He was appearing in his own title. He was guest starring in, uh, not in Brave and the Bold, but in uh, in uh, DC, DC Comics, Comics Presents. Yeah. He was uh, only three times. He was he was on the on the Superpowers cartoon. True. He was interesting enough to actually put him on a moving picture. Okay, I, I was thinking movies when you say moving picture. I see. Oh yeah. I, now, all right. Moving cells. J- Jason, thirty-six issue series. Yeah. Okay. Uh, one of the main characters in, unfortunately, Countdown, uh, or and not main, but he he played a, a real role in Countdown. Then you have he he was part of the Justice League. Right. Dwayne McDuffie's Justice League. Right. He has appeared in a couple of the different... Con- he was in Bra- Batman Brave and the Bold. He has a Happy Meal toy. Ah. That's a big is, deal. Yeah, he has is, a Happy yeah. Meal toy. He had a lot of Brave and the Bold action figures. He's on stickers. That you can buy stickers. I bought stickers of Jason Rush Firestorm at a gas station. That's how prolific he became there. Uh, he was in some direct-to-DVD animated videos like Crisis on Two Earths. Right. Um, so he had 36 issues there. He had another 21 issues in the New 52. So, I mean... Yeah, I mean, uh, that is not bad for an old Earth 8 character. <laughs> oh, my that God. Is, that is not bad at all. He just threw an Infinite Crisis reference. Infinite yeah. Crisis reference. Yeah, I mean, if we're going to talk about bad crossovers and bad characters that come out of crossovers, <laughs> then why not talk about Infinite Crisis? It had some redeeming qualities, but Did not it? some, but, but not a lot. Again, then again, I'm, I'm really not the, the yardstick for that. I, I hated the first Crisis. I, not, I won't say hate. I liked the story. Yeah. I hated what came out of it. Okay. I still blame Marv Wolfman and whoever that guy was that wrote the letter that got him thinking about <laughs> merging stuff. So, how long? When did you start reading comics? Then, if you were already that invested in it, as we talked earlier, I, I, I grew up. They didn't. They didn't I, hear any of that, Keith. I know. I, I thought you were recording the whole time. I, <laughs> I just assumed the NSA follows me around and you just grab, <laughs> grab audio. I remember picking up my first comic when I, when I was four. Okay. So I just remember being in the grocery store and picking up uh, Superman three hundred three. And I, that's it, very specific. I, 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 I still have it. Okay. I just, I, that's why I remember it. And I had to go back and remember which was the first one I bought because I was pretty sure it was a Hulk comic, but it turns out that it was that Superman 303. And it was torn up when I got it. 
So it, I, I don't know how long it'd be on the shelf, but if I bought it when it when it came out, at least according to Mike's Mike's website, which you love, Mike's Amazing World of DC it, or of Comics, Mike's it, World of Comics, it, exactly. Mike Voyles. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That that comic came out when I was about four years old. Okay. So my guess is it had been on the stands for several months when I got it because yeah. it was already beaten up. But I remember that um, two characters, Thunder and Lightning, were getting ready to kill Superman. Okay. And I thought that was cool. And my mom almost didn't let me buy it because it said that Superman was going to die. And I told her logically that Superman doesn't die. Everybody knows that's a fact, right? Uh, remember, I missed all the 90s, so <laughs> Superman still didn't die in my Well, this still, you know, would have been like, if you were four years old, that's like 1952. So, right? It's a, it's a <laughs> no. Kurt Swan comic, right? Exactly, exactly. <laughs> no, actually, actually, it was uh, that would have been 76, I believe, okay. was when it came out. I, ju- I just remember getting that comic and uh, started reading regularly, though, around the time that uh, Ir- Iris Allen died. So, okay. So when Alex Ross, the forever Firestorm hater, <laughs> when his Justice League ended, mine began. I mean, that's right. And that, that is the issue that he credits as like the end of, or the beginning of the darkening of DC. Right. So exa- that's why he doesn't like to draw anything after that point. Exactly. So I took, I took... You're the anti-Alex Ross. I'm the anti-Alex Ross until you get to Crisis, which is where... I start. I think that the darkening of the of the DCU started. So. You were a curmudgeon at like thirteen years old. That's I pretty was, impressive. I was. I, I was old for my age. I, I'm an old soul, I guess. I guess so. so Christ, Christ is what got me into DC. Well, still, I, I remember reading Crisis, and I remember loving it. I remember yeah. loving the story. But like I said, up until then, I thought, hell, at this point, I still thought the Justice League was going to go back to the Justice League because just a few months before, I'd written my first letter to DC Comics okay. because it was uh, Justice League uh, volume... Uh, Detroit? No, it well, yes, but it was Justice League Annual number two. Oh. Had come out. Okay. And I read that at the beach, and I remember reading it going, why are they getting rid of the Justice League and bringing these other people in? That doesn't make any sense. So let me write them and tell them... It, exactly why they are wrong Okay. for doing that. You leave Aquaman and get rid of Firestorm and keep around Martian Manhunter. And Zatanna. And, and Elongated Man. And Zatanna and Elongated Man. Well, those are fine for second-tier characters to be on the, well, on, on the Justice League, but why get rid of the big guns and bring in these no-names? Yes, I had picked up Steel the Indestructible Man off the shelves. Really? Yes, I remember okay. picking that up I remember picking up the first Firestorm series, number three. This was before I was really picking up wow. stuff. But I picked it up because it had uh, Killer Frost and Firestorm, and it was pretty pictures. It was cold, you, cold versus hot. You would have been about the same age you got when you got that Superman right, horse. Right, exactly. Yeah. It was around that same time. I was randomly picking up books then. Wow. But I remember picking up that one. I remember picking up, there was a Steel the Indestructible Man, yep. which uh, had like some sort of swamp beast on it. I think it was the last issue of that okay before the implosion right so i was reading comics quite a bit because like i said um you get up to iris allen allen dying and i started picking up comics regularly mainly it was flash and i, I would pick up aquaman too I, I did like aquaman but it was there wasn't a lot to pick up i mean well, my, my, <laughs> adventure comics i guess exactly uh, but anytime i saw aquaman like in in justice league or something like that yeah I kind of identified with them because Barry Allen and and Arthur Curry were both blonde-headed. All of my kids were brunettes. <laughs> I know it's a weird thing, but I okay. was a kid. Yeah. Those they were blonde characters. 
Hal Jordan was a brunette. Uh, yeah. You know, or, you know, Superman, Batman, everybody was yep. had dark hair. But they were the only toeheads like me. So, <laughs> so you know, I just I just gravitated toward toward the Flash to start off with. Now, if you left comics around '89, so in your Green Lantern, you missed uh, like Emerald Dawn stuff like that. I did miss Emerald Dawn. Have you re- have you read it since? I have. I have. Okay. What, what I did was, I, I went off to college in uh, in '90. I, I probably started stop reading comics around '89. You say renting? Is that what you just said? Reading. Oh, okay. <clears throat> renting. Yeah, I, I, I would throw them, throw them back. I guess. Yeah. So. And let's be honest, you probably just look at the pictures, right? I mean, you can't even read. You're, oh yeah, exactly. You're from, you're from North Carolina. So I am I mean. from North Carolina. We just look at pictures. Right. Okay. In all of our books. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, I went off to college. I stopped reading comics, but I got back into it with Morrison's JLA. Yeah. So there's that period of I remember picking up uh, Sandman before I left. And reading that and not really getting it at the time, I don't sure. think. Sure. Because I was really expecting it to be an, an Earth 2-centric book. Right. But, you know, Earth 2 didn't didn't exist anymore because Marv Wolfman destroyed it. Oh, my God. So, We're back to this. <coughs> so, anyway. I, You're going to like where I'm going to turn this in a minute. Yeah, I know. But So, anyway, I didn't get it. I have since gone back and read Sandman. I've read it several times and loved it. Yep. I've gone back and read a lot of 90s stuff like Starman and... And Which Starman? Will Payton or Jack Knight? I was reading Will Payton before I quit. Okay. But I finished reading Will yep. Payton. Love Will Payton. Yeah. Starman. But I really love the Jack Knight. Oh I, my God. So I, yeah. good. So, but the first thing I picked up when I started collecting comics again was um, was The Flash. Okay. The first one I started with before. I went back and got that. When I'd left The Flash, it sucked. It really did. It was it, Wally West. It just became The Flash. Yep. He could run like maybe about as fast as I can. Um, <laughs> he a superhero for money or something. Yeah. Like he had a revolving door of chicks. That was kind of cool. Well, th- that's fine, but it was just it it wasn't Barry Allen. It, okay. It, he was part he was part of the sidekick team, which I really never liked the Titans. Oh my god. I just I, I loved I, I would pick up everyone an issue. just turned off the podcast. Well, that's fine. I, I would pick up an issue every now and then, but I really didn't care about teenage angst. I had, eno- <laughs> I, had a, I had enough in my own life. Plus, I didn't have a hot Tamaranian by the pool every every issue. So it, it, there was just, um, you know, it was just it was just not my bag. Right. So, right. but and that's how I saw Wally. I saw Wally as taking Barry's place. Okay. Plus, Barry was coming back any day, right? Because crisis uh, is temporary. Oh my gosh! But okay. You know, so so I went back and read it, and I and I really loved the Wall, the Wally West Flash. Thank you. I, Wally I, West is my Flash. I understand, but uh, you know, I missed all that. I, I right. pulled the parachute and left. So, so, so that so are you telling me then that since you missed all that and read stuff later, does that mean so Hal Jordan's your Green Lantern? You told me that foolishly earlier. Yes. Um, but does that mean like uh, uh, Ted Knight is your Starman, and Jack Knight's not your Starman? Uh, pretty much. If I were to look at Starman, I would say I would say it'd be Ted Knight, unless he died, and then you know Jack Jack Knight would be the Starman. God, you're so broken inside. Hey, if Ted Grant can still be the Wildcat, why can't Ted Knight still be the Starman? Okay, I'll give you that. And, and if Yolanda Montana Mont- Montoya Montoya, thank you. Yes, was still around. I would probably still say Ted Grant is a Wildcat because he's just awesome. Exactly. But I mean the te- but the Jack Knight Starman series. I mean it changed comic storytelling. It, it did. It did. I like uh, the uh, yes, it did. It did change storytelling. But if you remember at the end of that story, he left and he gave up being Starman. So True. So so now Starman goes back back to being Ted. 
Or you Old look, Earth too. Or you look at it as Star Girl because <laughs> she really took on that. Now just, that I did like. She stopped uh, being yeah. Star. She stopped being Star Spangled Kid. It basically became the legacy for Starman. Feel bad for Star Spangled Kid. First he's Star Spangled Kid, then he gets murdered, right. and then and, and then he loses his legacy. Poor guy. Poor Sylvester. Yeah, but. You know, Sylvester was a kind of a one-hit wonder anyway. I, True. He was very boring. His, his sidekick was a lot more interesting. Yeah. So, which is why they the sidekick lived on to the Stargirl. That's true. Um, yeah. All right, so here we go. So, you, sir, <laughs> are my problem with DC Comics today, I have discovered. Because <laughs> you say crisis shouldn't have happened, right. or the outcome. Hal Jordan is Green Lantern and should have been. Barry Allen is Green Lantern, or is Flash, and he should be. Yes. You know who you are? Oh, oh don't, don't forget Ronnie Raymond and Martin Stein are Firestorm. Okay, well, that, that doesn't factor <laughs> into this equation. But okay, gotcha. You're Dan Dio. Oh, I am. Yes. Ah. Think about that. He came in. He wanted the most iconic versions of the characters back. He is responsible for bringing Hal Jordan back. He is responsible for bringing Barry Allen back. He is responsible for the multiverse. You, sir, are Dan DiDio. You, sir, are the problem. Wow. See, and that... He's blushing, by the way. Yeah. Well, I, I can see I can see how you would think that. However, if I were Dan DiDio, I would not bring in all of the 90s mentality that they're doing in there of all the... That's Jim, big, Lee, that's Jim Lee's fault, I think. Well, you know, hey, it takes several eggs to bake a cake or something. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what that means. Apparently you don't cook. Feel bad for your wife. <laughs> well, my last name's Baker. Do I really have to cook also? Yeah. You carry the credential around on your ID, huh? Yeah, exactly. Okay. I can, I can see where you're talking, where that comes from. Okay. And, yes, I really think that um, Kyle Rayner is, at best, a marginally interesting character. Oh, my gosh. I, I, I'm not he even... He had some good stories. I'm leaving. <laughs> he had some great stories. He had some good stories. Okay, so you like Ronnie... Um, and we were talking about the Jason Rush series earlier from 2004. Ron, Ronnie, Ronnie and the Professor, because I did go back and read those 90s stories where Ronnie was by himself. Oh, Extreme Justice? Yeah. They're terrible. Oh, They're awful. They're bad. so bad. Wow. Yeah. There's, there's somebody listening right now that's like, no, that's my Justice League. And I laugh at you. The uh, one with the booster goal with the, oh yeah, booster, with the shoulder pads? Oh, yeah. Dude, the yeah. art in that was so wretched. <laughs> And I say this with love in my heart. I still love them, yeah. but they're just ridiculous. They're so not, like when I think of '90s comics, Extreme Justice just like comes to mind for DC because it's it's got the word extreme in it. Yeah, the artwork is definitely extreme, extremely bad, and the storytelling was just nuts. Well, now, now hold on. One one redeeming thing, which at first I hated when I when I read Extreme Justice. What that Ronnie's an alcoholic. Ronnie's an alcoholic. Which, which I hated because why, why is Ronnie an alcoholic? Is it to make a story, to make it more extreme? But if you think about it, Professor Stein was an alcoholic. Yep. And Ronnie's fault, by the way. And Which was Ronnie's fault. So if you think, of, if you think all that merging, they, they go over it back in, back in the old stories about how there is some bleed over in both their personalities yep. and, their, um, and their brains. They're smart. So I, I don't know. Clearly how, you don't have them. How you do, can't come up with it. How, how do y'all say that down in, down in Florida? We've so, <laughs> We're floor idiots, so okay. we can't. So, so, yeah, so they share smarts. Yep. Let's, let's go with that. But, I mean, why couldn't they share other personality traits like bad ones, like alcoholism? Yeah. I, but they never went into that. I was going to say, I think you're giving the writer too much credit. I, I, I am, but, but, it, but it got me thinking when I read those. Like, like I said, I didn't read them that long ago. But if they could have gone more into that rather than, rather than going for 
big bullets, big guns, big, yeah. big pouches on the hip kind of thing. I think they could have been onto something. But now I will tell you, it, it, all credit to that. The storyline, the Ronnie drinking thing, kind of came out of nowhere. And it was, I, I like the idea of him having a character flaw. I have no problem with people with character flaws. It's great. It's more interesting to read about people that are flawed. Lord knows I've got a few flaws. Not many, mind you, but one or two. When Ronnie flew off and, you know, had his alcoholic breakdown, and then they went into the showcase issues. Did you read the showcase? Yes. Okay. Those were excellent. Yes, those were very good. Where he, like, dealt with the issues with his father and all right. that. I mean, those were, like... Wow, these are a 90s comic? I mean, those are really good. I like those quite a bit. Yeah, that was, what, Showcase 96? It's one, I, they all blur together. Yeah. For, it, for me, it was just an ongoing series, because I bought every year. So, right. Yeah, it's like, they're all just, just Showcase, whatever. <laughs> Is it Batman this year or Superman that's the lead feature? You know, whatever. Because that's how it always worked. Was that every, year, uh, every year would be, like, it's a, the lead story would always be, like, a Batman character or a Superman character or whatever. That's okay. Why, that's why you'd have, like, Steel or Supergirl or Eradicator or whatever. I just grabbed individual issues that I was interested in reading yeah. when I went back, so... And what he means by that is torrent. <laughs> <laughs> no. So, um, have you ever read a comic called The Unwritten? No. Okay, very good comic. Should check it out. I'm not going to talk about it here, but um, it, uh, there's a reason I'm bringing this up. There's a writer named Mike Carey. He wrote, uh, he wrote X-Men for All, but he also writes a, a comic now called The Unwritten, which is amazing. It's, it's a Vertigo book, although I don't know if it's still under the Vertigo banner. All that changed a little Mike bit. Mike Carey at one point was going to write Firestorm. That's what I was going to talk about. Oh, okay. I'm sorry. Well, no, no, that's where I, I was going. Mean, I mean, well, I didn't know if you, you knew, because you were talking about the Jason book. I didn't know if you knew all the details where Mike Carey was going to write it. Yeah. And um, they actually have several pages of it drawn. I was the one who got the pages that were drawn. Oh, you were the one who sent them to me? That was me. Okay. Whoops. <laughs> yeah, I got them from the artist off. Was it from the DC message boards that I was talking to him? Could have been. Or Jeff John's boards or something. Okay. I remember I got in touch with him somehow, and he he said something along the lines of, I wish that someone could see see what we had planned. Yeah. And I was like, well, I for one would love to see what you had planned. And so he actually emailed them to me. And he said, please don't share them with anybody. So the first thing I did was the first person who asked me to see them, Shag, I gave them to him. <laughs> No, to be fair, I didn't publish them at the time. What happened yeah. was I um, I got in touch with Mike Carey, yeah. and I got in touch with the artist name who's escaping me. I feel bad. He went on to write Punisher, a draw Punisher for a while, and then I cannot remember his name. I feel awful. But it's you know what? It's on FirestormFan.com. Go out there and look up um, 2003 Firestorm that never was. Or There's even a category for like Firestorm 3 aborted, Volume 3 aborted, whatever. I got in touch with him saying, you know, can I print these? And he, he said, you know, it's been enough years. Go for it. If you get any trouble, just don't say you got them from me. Uh, or, or his connection to it. But it got a chance to talk about them, and I, I did this actually, I don't know, I don't mean to tout my own stuff, but I think it's kind of an interesting article because I just pulled together a lot of all the facts I could find about it. I thought it was wonderful. And, and put I it all it together. Awesome. It would have been an interesting series. And the interesting thing is that it you can still see where it was going to launch from in Justice League. Yep. Because it was... Um, it was during that Manito Raven run or whatever yep. that was going on. Joe Kelly was writing it. Right. And there's a scene where Ronnie is out on the moon investigating something in like this weird robot. It's like issue 83 or something like that of yeah. Justice League or JLA. And uh, this weird robot version of Firestorm is floating over him. And you're like, what the hell is this? And the next issue, they're just like, oh, yeah, Ronnie was hallucinating. And that was it. And you're like, huh? Yep. Turns out that that was going to be the springboard. You were going to, from there, you were supposed to go to Firestorm number one. That's right. But it all got canceled, and there's a little... No one knows for sure what got Ronnie killed. I've seen two different things. Some suggest that it was Dan DiDio, 
who said to have they wanted a, a, a minority to be Firestorm. Right. And that's where Jason Rush came from. Some people say that it's um, Brad Meltzer. Because supposedly... Because he wanted to kill him in... Yeah, yeah, he had a punch list of things he wanted to do in Identity Crisis. And he said, I want to kill a major character. Here's some of the ones I want to kill. I want, I want to have an on-the-job accident, basically. Because that's how Ronnie died. It was an on-the-job accident. It's exactly right. what it was. A it, silly one that doesn't make any sense, but... But yes. that was that's where he was going. He, yeah. he wanted to show that not everyone gets a heroic death. Right. Sometimes it's just a blunder. And he gave him, I guess, a list of characters. He said, you know, it could be these folks. And, and Firestorm was one of them. So no one's, you know, I mean, I, well, I guess two people in the world know. But I'm still not clear on whether it was a DiDio decision or, or just, I should say, editorial. I shouldn't say DiDio. I don't mean to throw everything at his feet. Because actually, Dan is, for all the flaws of the DC Universe, Dan's got a lot of passion for it. He's got a lot of love for it. He's a good front man. And he believes he's pushing DC forward. Well, I don't agree with a lot of decisions editorials made, and, and keep in mind, he's not the only one running the boat. Right. Um, so I, I guess I have to sort of defend... And, and he and I had a conversation on Twitter not too long ago, which, which endeared him to me quite a bit. Uh, well, I'm glad you're defending him, seeing as how you compared me to him earlier. So. Oh, I forgot. That's, well, uh, yeah. you're you're the representation of everything evil in Dan DiDio. Gotcha. But so anyway, I, I just I do wonder whether it was Brad Meltzer or Dan DiDio that got Ronnie killed. Yeah. But he got better. Yeah, I, I, I'm trying to think when Identity Crisis came out, if that timeline fits. So, uh, so that was 2005, and then... Uh, well, the way it all happened was... And when, when was that Manitou Raven JLA run where... Well, here's the screwy thing. Yeah. Um, the Jason series started before Ronnie died. Yes. It was... I mean, you probably remember now what yeah. I'm talking about, but, like, there was... Ronnie was part of the Justice League, right? And then he just kind of stopped being part of the Justice League. He, whatever happened, I don't remember. He, he just disappeared. Like, he, he just wasn't in yeah. any stories, yeah. And suddenly there was a new Firestorm book on the shelves with Jason, and everyone's like, "He got oh, his you know powers what? from from space." Or yeah, something. actually, I think maybe Ronnie was appearing somewhere. Anyway, it doesn't matter. Anyway, Identity Crisis started being published, right? And it was he, Ronnie died. What issue five? I think of Identity Crisis. Yeah, and that I think it, right. and I think it was issue five of Firestorm where they revealed how Ronnie died. Okay, because like they they they, 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 they segued together because there's a scene where Ronnie's like laying on the ground and on the grave it's like here lies Ronnie Raymond. Right, or something. right, right. Yeah. So for months, I mean, I'd forgotten about that, that. That we were just in like, what the hell's going on? How, why is there a new Firestorm? Where's Ronnie? Or what happened? Because right. Ronnie's an identity crisis. What? The well, hell? we knew that he died. I, I think that we knew that he. Did we know that? Well, I don't. I maybe you're right. I did because I just I just assumed that everything was getting screwed up. <laughs> just based <Thanks>, on <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know. I, I'm the iconic versions of the characters. <laughs> <laughs> well, look, okay, you were getting you were getting on me earlier about Kyle Rayner, and I will yeah, say, I was, and I, and I will say that when I went back and read all the Wally stuff, I went back and read all the Kyle stuff. Yep, and, and like I said, there were some good stories there. There's some great stories in there. There were some okay stories there. There were some not good ones too. Yeah. So you know, I I, I buy bigger fri- refrigerators these days. So just <laughs> oh my in case. God. Um, so, <laughs> but I don't agree with him going back to the icon to the iconic characters. Though. What you just said, Barry Allen's Flash, I, Wally West's. Uh, I mean, exactly, whatever. You know what I'm saying. They're they're my favorite ones. Exactly. Yeah. Now. And you don't like change. I don't like change. Okay. However, I think I would have been the exact same after World War II when they brought in a new Flash with an all-red costume. Okay. I think I would have been the same one going, going, where's his tin hat? You know, these kids get off my lawn, you know, <laughs> whatever. You know, um, that's just the way I am. I don't like change. I don't like anything to change. But then you just said they shouldn't have brought him back. Right. They should not have brought him back because they had moved on. They would already written 
10, 12, 12 years 20 of... 20 years of Wally. Whatever, like five years of Wally oh my or whatever God. they did. <laughs> <laughs> I hate you so much. <laughs> so so they, they, had already, they had already written these stories. They'd already moved on. Now, that I have no problem with. I just don't have to like it. Yeah. I like I like when they when they had uh, a Green Lantern core of there were four there were four Green Lanterns on Earth. Yeah, I thought that was good because it had John Stewart, who is actually probably my second favorite one. Okay, I don't know why he's never got the limelight except on on the cartoons. Well, he had so, a couple series. He had Mosaic, and he had uh, I liked Mosaic. That's one of the ones I went back and read. But Emerald Emerald Knights, maybe or something like that. I maybe, can't remember. but then, but then know. they throw in like Cosmic Odyssey, where they make it oh. look, look like the asshole. Yeah, so. that's true. And he's it's sort of like Hank, Hank Pym slapping his wife. He's never recovered from that. Exactly. One. Yeah. yeah, you kill a whole planet, you can't really get over that kind of stuff. <laughs> it doesn't go away. Martian Manhunter won't let him forget. All right. <laughs> so, so I mean, you know, damn you, Jean. Yeah. Plus, I like Guy Gardner. Okay. Yeah, I mean, that expl- I, there you go. I, I, that's not surprising. Yeah. Well, you know. Every now and then, somebody needs a beatdown. So that's just the way it goes. One punch, one punch. It's all it took Batman. Exactly. That's because that's because Batman is a sneaky fucker. <laughs> Look, he sneaks up on people. He sucker punches. People. Yeah. Okay. That's, that's all it comes down to. That's true. And you said that everybody goes through a Batman phase. Yes, that's true. I recently went through my Batman. Okay. Phase. How about that? All right. When is recent? Um. Well, when I, when I went back and started reading all these 90 com, 90s comics, I, I had never really cared for Batman growing up. Okay. I, yeah, one of the first Batman comics I remember getting was, uh, what was it, Batman 300, where it was the last Batman story? Okay. Where it had uh, Earth 2 Robin on the cover. I was like, Robin got a new outfit. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I was too young to realize what was going on. I finally realized that... Change. Exactly. It's all about change. No, it was about Earth 2. Okay. And that's... That's what I'm talking about. There, right. There's a place for everything. <laughs> what, what I'm saying is that there really still needs to be an Earth One. Okay. You can have New Earth and have all of your, you know, the the Breach or whatever instead of Captain Adam. Yeah. Along with your Jason Rush Firestorm and your Kyle Rayner. Earth Eight. Earth Eight. Right. You, you can do that. Uh, whatever you want to do, but there still needs to be an Earth One where there's still a satellite floating uh, twenty-two thousand three three hundred miles above the Earth. <laughs> there still needs to be that. There still needs to be Green Arrow with, with his with his damn uh, Van Dyke. There, <laughs> there still there still needs to be an elongated man with a suit, didn't you? Hadn't been raped. I agree with that. There, there there still needs to be that Age of Innocence that we grew up with. There still needs to be a Kurt Swan Superman. No, there doesn't. Well, no, there doesn't. Ish in spirit, where he, okay. he's the Superman who actually looks out for people. He actually believes in something. I would tell you. I would say the post-crisis Superman was that same. The burn Superman. I, I I liked some of the burn Superman. They yeah. were trying to create the same thing, but all he was doing was recreating what was already created. True. He was modernizing. Yes, he was modernizing, and he and he made Lex Luthor fat and chopped off his hand. So I like that version of Lex. I I, I like the businessman Lex, the, but the I, kingpin. But I also like I also like the Lex Luthor. That's the Bond villain. I, I like. I well, like, see, you should be happy. That's what they're trying to return him to. Uh, with the long hair and the capes are coming. Is, oh, okay, that, no, that, no, don't even <laughs> don't even freaking start me on that movie. No, uh, no. When, when they when they got like somewhere, Jeff Johns turned Je- Lex Luthor from being the businessman to being the you know mad scientist in bad the, guy again in the superpowers outfit, and then he put him on the Justice League. Yeah, you shouldn't have Captain Cold on the Justice League. 
maybe he's going somewhere with that, but it's with, his favorite character. With I understand has he, been for years. He's one of my favorite characters too because the I grew up with the Flash. Yeah, but he shouldn't be on the Justice League. Secret Society of Supervillains, sure. Yeah. <laughs> or whatever. The Legion of Doom. I don't You're going to start a movement. I can tell, because there's going to be a lot of people listening to me to, like, thumping their fist against the thing going, Keith's right. They need to bring Earth-1 back. Yeah. He's right. There should be an Earth-1. If if, you just I, need a catchy name and then start a Facebook group, and you'll take off off and running. A catchy name. And then DC will ignore you. Yeah, so. well, yeah. <laughs> they can't ignore us forever, though, but they're out west now, so... No. They're further away. Yeah, they're. They I think, mo- I think yeah, they did that on purpose. I think they moved their offices <laughs> to get away from you, sir. They, they might have. They're probably scared of you. They were afraid that I would make it up I-95 to New York <laughs> one day. I understand. All right, so closing thoughts. They need to reboot the DC Universe, or, or not reboot, but bring it back to what it used to be, apparently. They, they don't need to do anything. What they've done right now is they've created a multiverse. What they, do, what they do is they need to cultivate that. Okay. What they do is need, they need to go to someone like Mark Wade or somebody else that they have alienated in the recent past yeah. and say, hey, why don't you take over Earth 1, Earth 2? Okay. Go, go to... Well, they, they Roy, have, Roy Thomas is still around. I don't know if he'll come back to DC or not. You know, they have, it, a, they have it, an Earth 1, though. They I, have those graphic novels called Earth 1. I understand, and they're pretty good, but it's not Earth 1, Earth 1. Okay. It's more like a... It's the ultimate universe. Ultimate universe, Earth yeah. One. Yeah, uh, but hey, you say Roy Thomas won't come back? We said the same thing about Jerry Conway, and he's getting ready to. Dude, that's right. We didn't even talk about that. <laughs> he's getting ready. Yeah, I'm trying to wrap up, and we haven't even talked about that. Yeah. So Jerry Conway on Firestorm. Oh my God. One and and he is. I would put him in charge of Earth One because he wrote pretty yeah. much. 90% of the Earth 1 stories that I love. Yeah, well, he wrote a lot of Earth 2 stuff, too. I understand. So. All those crossovers, everything. Yep. I mean, you know, just if they could, if Jerry Conway could take Dan DiDio's place, maybe he'd be good. No, no, we want him writing. I don't want him editing. Yeah, that's they, true. I want him writing. Yeah, once you put somebody in power, they start writing crappy stories like Jeff. Jeff, I was just going for so, that. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Mr. Johns, not the yeah, No, no, I, lo- I love Jeff Johns. Yeah. love most of the stuff that he's done and when he puts his mind to it he does good stuff yeah. the, the new Justice League that he's doing is good I, I'm out the, I well, I, seriously the Dark Side War yeah if you don't read anything else in DC Comics read that because really it really seems like it seems like it was written in 1999 2000 Huh. It's just... There's a lot happening each issue. Is it worth, what, $3.99 or something no, for no, 20 pages? Like everything the past 10 or 12 years, wait for the trade. Because everybody, okay. decompression, everything's written for 6 to 10 issues. Oh, yeah. Instead of, instead of like Jerry used to do in three issues, you're done. Ultra Humanites on the floor. Or in limbo, <laughs> you know? He could do it in one. Jerry could do it in one. But that three issue... Not, yeah. uh, 195 195 197 yeah, yeah. Right, here you're going <laughs> oh god that's awesome well Perez was doing the art I think too or at he least was. the covers I can't remember he did all of the art and the covers okay. because I have a page of art from 195 oh wow hanging on my wall so. this gentleman here owns the splash page uh, Raphael Cannon's very first splash page of the Firestorm main book issue 22 20, 22 21 22 somewhere in there it's, it's the one where um, Firestorm and Firehawk are flying over New York yep yeah, so I have that. I have a Canon uh, cover, which is, um, I forget what the You have one of these covers? Yeah, I did. I'll have to send you a picture. Maybe you did. I don't know. What is it? Um, it is issue, 
I know that the issue says burn, ba- burn, baby, burn. Oh right, right, okay, yeah, that's um, it's like thirty three or something. Like yeah, yeah, it was even a fill in writer, I think, if I yeah. remember right. Yeah, it was a yeah. uh, La Flambe, I think, was the bad yeah, guy. Yeah, but there were two of them, I think. Oh, was there two of them with shooting fire? Well, they, they were, were like Fire Fist or whatever, I don't know. <laughs> or Firebug or any of those yeah. fire fire people with a tank on their back. Well, so, I think they were supposed to be um, connected to Plastiques. God, uh, La Flambeau, yeah. Flambeau, or yeah. something, something <laughs> terrible the, name, the Quebec Nordiques, something <laughs> like that. Yeah, something to that effect. Yeah, so I have that cover. And, um, so I never thought Jerry was coming back. I was no. convinced it was never going to happen. I'm so excited for this. I am too. I, I hope. I think you're going to get what you want. I, I hope. I, I think you're going to get by the end of it. I think you're going to get Ronnie and Professor. If I do, I'll tell you what. If if, if I get what I want out of Firestorm, I'm going to write Dan Didio a apology letter. How's that? Okay. All right. You heard it here. We're going to hold you to it. Now, by what you I mean, it's not going to be the classic costume. It's going to be either the current costume or maybe even something closer to the TV costume. I don't know. Is that, is that still qualify as what you want? As far as costumes go, well, you can look at me. I don't give a shit what I wear, <laughs> so I don't care what anybody else wears. Personally, I like the I like the the puffy sleeves because sure. I believe it was Al Milgram who said that, that that he designed him so that his silhouette can be recognized. Absolutely, and that's how you make a good character. Yep, I mean because between really, the head, the shoulder pads, and the puffy sleeves, it, it's unique. Exactly, just like Barry Allen and Hal Jordan. But anyway, oh my god, um, but. Yeah, even if they don't do that, if it's Ronnie as the semi-dumb jock-ish. Yeah. Although he really wasn't that dumb if you read it. He was but, just a nice kid. Yeah, he was a nice kid. He was kid supposed to be was, a dumb jock, but Gary didn't write him that way. Exactly. He was he was a nice kid who was just who was, had issues and yep. had all these teenage issues. That's fine. And Professor Stein, who's a who has his own issues. Just a few. Yeah. And, you know, he has an ex-wife. And yes, Clarissa, the lilac tinted <laughs> whore. <laughs> but um, but who's a who's a who's a physicist who, you know, middle aged guy. Yeah, I mean, hey, between Professor Stein, Ray Palmer, and Barry Allen, that's kind of the reason I went into a science field anyway. Okay. I mean, it, and I'm sure all that had to do with uh, Julia Schwartz. So there I guess you go. I, I guess I should send Julie Schwartz my degree or something. <laughs> Um, well, he's not with us anymore, but I understand you can that. credit him for it. Yeah, that's what I mean. <laughs> Where were we? We were wrapping up. We were saying that they need to reboot the universe. You need a, you need an Earth One, is what you want. Yes, just not the Earth One that's on the shelves right now. Correct. Okay, so Earth One Plus, something like that. I, I don't know. Just call it Earth One. You have an Earth One. They have a, they have a line of successful Earth One trade paperbacks. They can't call it Earth One. Sure they can. No, they can't. You can't have two they Earth can Ones. Do anything. Sure, they can do anything, but they also want to market it. Well, you market it by changing the name. Isn't that what, they're, what they do every couple no, of there, months? There is an Earth 1, and there is an Earth 2. They're right. very specific about that right now. Although, what's the new one called? The Earth 2, Earth 2 Society. Is that what it's called? Okay. Yeah, I actually read that book for a while. Which one? Earth 2? Yeah, the new Earth I read two. it for up until just a little while ago. Yeah, I, I, there's only so many times that you can read about Dark Side and the New Gods, and I think they've used up their allotment since the new 52 yeah I mean well they got a war now well yeah and and oh what I was telling you about Justice League the new gods are in that too well yeah I knew I knew Mr. Okay. Miracle's in it yeah and so is Me- I don't mind the new gods I like the new gods yeah Metron do you like the new gods I like the new gods it's the forever people that I'm not too hot yeah, on yeah I've just I've just never liked Kirby's DC stuff have you ever read Kirby's Mr. Miracle yes his, his original Mr. Miracle I have some issues with okay. the and, original and yeah. you don't like it 
I I thought it was okay. You're you're more dead to me than you were a few minutes ago. Ah, uh, sorry. <laughs> I just uh, I, I thought it was okay. I I if I if I'm reading Kirby, I I, I read Marvel. That's, sure. I mean that's great stuff. I mean, Commandy, really? I just well, no, don't no, no. get I just, it. I, I didn't. I didn't get. I'll be honest. I didn't get Kirby stuff either for DC. Yeah. I just didn't get it until around two thousand two, two thousand three, somewhere in there. It was for a role playing game. I was going to do a role playing adventure where our superheroes ended up on Apocalypse, yeah. and I had to figure it out. I didn't really understand Apocalypse. Sure, I knew it, and you know, but I didn't really get it. So I got the Jack Kirby trades, and they were in black and white, which by the way is glorious. And you need to get over that. And <laughs> I read the, the Mr. Miracle ones and the New Gods ones, and it just, I got it. I was like, oh my gosh, I get it now. Huh. Jack Kirby's New Gods is incredible. It's epic, it's large scale. And I don't mean epic like the term nowadays, where you're like, dude, that was epic. No, I mean, like, really is an epic scale. I mean, it takes place across billions of years. Yeah. And, it, you know, it's literally gods fighting in the stars, and it's just like, wow. And then Mr. Miracle's very Earth-based and great stuff. So... Yeah, give it another shot or just grow up. You know, one or the other. So <laughs> I refuse to grow up. I'm reading funny books still, yeah. Yeah. So summing up, everything sucks. Um, God, and you're making me sound so negative. Uh huh. Yeah. Okay. I don't yeah. Want to sound you negative. haven't done that for the last uh, fifty minutes yourself, huh? God. And Earth One should be Earth One. Never mind that they're publishing Earth One. And a year from now, I would like to be CC'd on your apology letter to Dan Dia. Okay. Well, okay. So don't call it Earth One. Call it Earth. 22,300 You just something. said they had to call it Earth One I know, but I, I'm flexible like, like I said, I'm easy to get along with Okay, so then they can be something I, okay. I want them to go back and undo Crisis so How about they just call it Earth Pre-Crisis? Why don't they just undo Crisis? Oh, they just did They no, brought no, all that shit no, back you undo Crisis properly what, Go back and burn every comic from 1986 forward? He brought back the Anti-Monitor He's died how many times? Right, that's true And he's already back again? Yeah, he is You can go back and undo the Anti-Monitor why not? But isn't that what Convergence was, kind of? No, Convergence was just a filler while they packed their bags and moved. All right, we're arguing in circles. Anyway, yeah, so anyway. Keith, tell people where they can find you online. Um, Not too many places. Uh, you can find me on Twitter. Yep. I'm at KGBUNC. There you go. Uh, you can find me on Facebook if you can find me. Um, he, he lurks in a lot of the comments on Firestorm Fan. Yeah, I, I lurk there. Um, if you want to go check out my old site... It's uh, nuclearfan.tripod.com. Uh, good luck finding it. Um, I think good luck getting, beating the web ring when you get there. Yeah, I'll, if, I, if I come up with anything new, I'll definitely let you know. Okay. All right, fair enough. Thank you for being on the show. This was a complete waste of 54 minutes of my time. I could have just listened to an old man ran on the curb, but whatever. Get off my lawn. There it is. In-Country has re-upped for another tour, and we've been reassigned. Now you can find this complete look at Marvel Comics' The Nom on the Two True Freaks Network. So join me, Tom Panneries, for In-Country, a podcast covering Marvel Comics' The Nom, every two weeks at twotruefreaks.com. Sawate, 
My name is Stella, and I am the host of Backroll to Oracle, the Barbara Gordon podcast. Backroll to Oracle is a podcast dedicated to Barbara Gordon, the first woman to hold the mantle of Backroll for an extended period of time, roughly 1967 to 1988. The goal of Backroll to Oracle is to examine the character's history from her first appearance as Backroll and continuing through her tenure as Oracle. Each episode looks at a vintage issue of Detective Comics or Batman, as well as other books like Justice League and Freedom Fighters and modern issues of Batgirl and Birds of Prey. I also keep track of news involving Batgirl and other members of the Bat family, and I have a revolving series of segments like Babs in the Tube, which highlights appearances of Babs in TV and film, Shipper Spy, which looks at a variety of comic and pop culture couples, gives their history, and determines whether they are hot or not, Reading with Stella, which could be described as an audio drama, or just me reading a book that relates to Babs or doesn't, and of course, the mainstay literature recommendation. I have been blessed to interview writers Scott Beatty and Chuck Dixon on their Backroll Year One work, Brian Q. Miller on his Backroll run, Dwayne Swarzynski and Christy Marks on their separate Birds of Prey work, and the creators and actors of the Backroll Spoiled, the web series. I hope to interview more creators and actors in the future. My goal, most importantly, is to make a fun, entertaining, and thoughtful show that people enjoy and from which they learn. Find the show online at thebatmanuniverse.net and iTunes, and follow the show on Facebook and Twitter at Batgirl to Oracle. Thank you, and fly on, Babs lovers. All right, now we're going to jump to Charlottesville, Virginia, and sit down with Tom Panneries from Pop Culture Affidavit and In Country, which you just heard that trailer. And also we're going to sit down with Stella Bowman from Backroll to Oracle, a Barbara Gordon podcast. Again, you just heard that trailer. Now, by the time we did this recording, Tom, Stella, and I had been hanging out for something like five hours. Uh, we'd already recorded audio for his show, and we'd already recorded audio for her show. Now, you'll be able to hear both of those recordings on upcoming episodes of Pop Culture Affidavit and Backroll to Oracle. Uh, by the way, in case you weren't aware, uh, Stella's been kind enough, or foolish enough, depending on your point of view, she's been kind enough to invite me on a handful of episodes of Backroll Oracle over the past few months, so be sure to check those out if you haven't already, it's always a blast to record with her. So, anyway, we've been hanging out for something like five hours, and we're feeling a little slap-happy. In fact, uh, one segment, uh, Stella begins her part of the story, and unfortunately the microphone isn't picking up her audio very well, so I uh, slid the microphone closer to her. And, uh, well, you'll, you'll just hear how that went. Anyway, I feel very fortunate to have the opportunity to hang out with Keith and Stella and Tom. Had a great time with all of them. Really wonderful folks. So, here you go, folks. Enjoy. Hey, it's me, Dan DiDio. And I'm here with two of my friends. I got Shag Matthews over here. And I've got Tim Penneries. But this is, this is Shag's actual show. So, I'm going to toss over the mic to my friend, Shaggy D. Matthews. Thank you for coming to be on the Firewater Podcast. I know you traveled really far for this. Basically what's happened is we've been together for most of the day. We're fairly loopy, full of Mexican food and soda. And uh, we used up all our good content on their shows already. So, what I thought we would do is, as I'm sitting down with my good friends here, and I use that term loosely, would be to ask them how they got into comics. What's your comic origin story? Like, perhaps how you discovered comics, and then when you really figured out you were a collector. I went first for you. Okay, you want to go first? Uh, we'll let Tom go first. Um, discovering comics and becoming a collector is actually it's two different phases because uh, I discovered comic books at an early age before I kind of even knew where they were. It's just, I have just have mem- what they were. I have memories of just 
having comics over the years from like maybe an occasional issue of Spider-Man or Superman or Batman or something that I picked up at stationery store card and gift places back when my dad used to smoke. Now he doesn't. He quit smoking 30, almost 30 years ago. But you know, the point being, he'd take us up there and like, can I buy a comic book? And that time they were what 60 cents or something. This is the early 80s. Yeah. So and then 75 cents. The the only series I remember buying the occasional Transformers issue in its very early run. And I remember the only series I actually actively went and sought out was it was my very first trip to my local comic book store in Sable, Long Island, when I was. Seven years old. Aren't you supposed to say Long Island? Long like, Island. There it is. Long Island. Was Superman the Secret Years? Really? Yes. That was. I, I remember going there. Still pre-crisis, right? It was, it was 84. Yeah. It was 84, right, at, right as crisis was about to start up. And I remember buying issues one, two, and four at the comic store and missed number three, but saw number three on the rack at the stationery store. Because direct market and newsstand had that like month or two There's lapse a gap. where yeah, right. you could if you missed an issue, you might be able to find it at a local newsstand, especially back then when it was still pretty heavy. Oh yeah. Um, and then I kind of would every once in a while buy a comic for about six months in '87. I bought GI Joe and Transformers, bought back issues. That's where I first discovered because I was about nine, ten years old. All of my friends were buying this, so we were all buying all. We were pool our money and buy certain issues and stuff. A friend of mine actually put down twenty-five dollars for issue number one. Oh my god! First print of GI Joe or Transformers. GI Joe. I had now issue two was going for like forty. At the time, I had a second printing of issue two, which only cost me a couple of dollars because they would run second printings. And then I just kind of, kind of fell on the wayside. And then, about 1990, um, a friend of mine started reading Batman. Loaned me. Uh, I had read a Death in the Family because a friend had loaned me that trade. Because everybody had that trade, even yep. I got it at, at some point. Now we've jumped four to like pretty we've far there. Three or four. Eighty nine. Yeah, yeah. Eighty nine. Ninety. And then he wrote the first storyline that I read, you know, where he gave me all the issues was A Lonely Place of Dying. Okay. And my first Batman comic was Detective 617, which is this weird Alan Grant, Norm Breakable story. It's supposed to be the midpoint of that Return of the Joker storyline that was going on over in it was 450, You made me read it. That was Jim Apara. It was not Norm Breakfogel. No, 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 no. no. Breakfogel did the covers. No, 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 no. No. Batman 450-451 were Apara, but in the middle of that was Detective 617, which you don't need to read for the, to have those two issues, but they tied in, and it was this weird... It's almost like a fever dream Batman was having about the Joker. It's really, really odd. Okay. Um, the next issue of Detective that I picked up was 618, which is the issue where Tim Drake's parents plane okay. gets hijacked. Obadiah, man. And yeah, and then I was in it from there. I picked up the Titans, and I think it was where I think with about a year later I realized that yeah, this wasn't going away. <laughs> because it was well, because back when I was in, when I when the first time around, it was like we went. <laughs> Could have got an ointment or a pill for that. Yeah, I know. I, I don't know. Um, if they come up with a pill to kick um, comics addiction, <laughs> I'll market it. I'll give it to Michael Bailey. He is a crippling addiction. He yes, says. And, and 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 we can do the before and after with him <laughs> and sell it on. And he can be on the infomercial. Okay. Um, but I remember I used to be I a comics addict. Yeah, I remember specifically like buying all these issues of GI Joe and then going on vacation to New Hampshire with um, my parents 
and this cabin on the lake that they've rented every year. It's totally Rob's Mountain comics. I was going to say, this is vacation Since comics I was all never, over. It, I was never buying comics when I was up there. I was always buying, for some reason, I remember always buying Mad Magazine and baseball cards. Okay. I don't know why I never bought comics. I just, it was all, Mad Magazine is the one thing I ever remember of. So I, I came back from my first vacation and for some reason just stopped buying comics. I, I think every, I think we had kind of phased ourselves out of G.I. Joe. Um, a lot of us were playing, paying more attention to baseball at that point, so it kind of fell by the wayside. And then I realized, I remember going up to New Hampshire again in 1991 or so and coming back and going to the comic store. And that was where it kind of hit me like... This isn't just a phase at this point. And I went to that store until I moved, and I, you know, I have, with the exception of about a year and a half, um, because because of Countdown and then Final Crisis, where I literally walked away from buying comics. I've collected comics ever since. Broke you. Yeah. Okay. I started listening to some comic podcasts. Yeah. And then was like, maybe I could go back and, and read a few. And I started following some blogs and saw some stuff that was going on, mostly with the Teen Titans. And this was when J2 Cool was taking over the book and it was starting to get okay. better. I was like, all right, well, maybe I'll pick that up. And I, every time I think I'm out, they roll me right back in. <laughs> so that's a truncated version of my comics origin story. So um, JT Cruel on Titans. In a thumbs sense, up, but, thumbs down. Thumbs up. Okay. It was. It was it was good, you know. Not a lot of people. I agree with you. Not Sean a lot of McKeever, people do. Sean McKeever's run could have been better had the editors not interfered. I don't think McKeever's like, run was all that bad. I don't either. think it was all that bad either. But yeah. the editors kept interfering, and certain things that happened were not. His, he was told to write, yeah. and you could tell that he was. But I like Sean McKeever as a writer, so. Okay. Yeah, yeah. So, I, I, I like J.J. Cruel. There's not a lot of people writer. that like those two eras, and I did. So J.J. Cruel saved that Titans series, the one that Judd Winnick started, oh. where he, he reunited. You know, and and that J.J. Cruel is the one who where they where it became a villains Deathstroke led villains team with Roy Harper and stuff. Taking together a whole story, it's an actually halfway decent story. It's it's not bad at all. Okay. There are hiccups, but yeah. Right. So and I I still do it. I don't really read a lot of new DC. Yeah. Just sad as a DC yes. guy. It is sad as a DC guy, but I'm trying to follow your mantra of finding my joy. <laughs> Very much so, and, and I think I'm I'm getting there. The fact is, we're, at our age, because we're really old, unlike one of the people uh-huh. at the table, um, we don't have enough time in our lives to waste doing things we don't enjoy. Yes. Other than being stuck here together at this table. Yeah. I mean, that's not very pleasurable, but... Volume. It's like being put on the rack. <laughs> the I, sacrifices you make make in the name of podcasting. That's I don't true. think our audience will ever understand what we've they don't. To go through. They don't. Right. But yeah, that's, that's me. So uh, let's give it to Stella the floor. Moose Bowman, who's yeah. going to explain Moose first. Oh, for right now? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> um, moose have been my favorite animal. He's going to put that right in your mouth. Oh my god. <laughs> oh my god. If I thought before I spoke, the history of this podcast would be a lot shorter. <laughs> that was wow. you, you can see the color of her face. <laughs> Tom's got a mouthful of Diet Coke he can't swallow. I love this show. Thank you, good night. This is the only show. Moose. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, You're beat red. 
so. I've loved moose for a very long time. I can't even say like when it started, but I was like even before preschool, I really latched onto the animal. And then in high school, it became a nickname of mine, perhaps because. <laughs> Might be hot sauce on that napkin. Be careful. <laughs> oh, perhaps because you know I'm of a smaller stature, so it's, it's like an yeah, ironic or an oxymoron. So that's why, and it's just sort of stayed with me. Okay. So that's why. What got me into comics was listening to Who's Who '87. Bitch. <laughs> oh my gosh. Okay. Well, it's a good running joke. Um. I my brother is eight years older than I am. <laughs> my brother is eight years older than I am, but I'm very close with him, and he's the one that got me into sports and everything. So he is a heavy influence on like superhero things. Uh, he had random, you know, comics like Toxic Avenger or Fantastic or things like that. Um, and I think I was always aware of Spider-Man somehow. I had uh, we found this kitten on a walk uh, when I was still in a stroller, and we left him outside. We brought him home, but we left him outside because he had worms and things like that. And he ended up crawling up, you know, the brick wall because he wanted to jump on someone and get inside the house. So we ended up calling him Spider-Man. So Aww. I've always been aware of that. And then before I went down uh, for naps, um, my mother would read to me sort of like a baseball card, but they were heroes on them. So it'd be it'd be like Cyclops, and then on the back would be his stats. It was like Marvel training. Marvel training. It'd be like. Just put this in perspective. We mentioned some people are younger at the table. Tom and I actually bought those cards as adults or teen, late teenage we years. Kept them, we kept them in a binder. In nine pocket loaders. Nine pocket loaders that I had left over from a baseball card collection. And from her, for her, preschool. they were they were preschool baby book. <laughs> Reading cards. <laughs> so yeah, they'd have stats and little stories. I remember Thing versus the Hulk was like a one that repeated I a lot. Can picture that card. Um. So anyway, so there there are little moments. Um. Whenever I got sick, Blockbuster Video was something my mom used to get as well as Italian Ice. And then sometimes she would go to a comic book store and like look through some things. That's how I got Teen Titans. I think issue number seven of the Jeff Johns run, okay. which I actually really liked. I know you're like so so on Jeff Johns. I thought that book was good. That was like an exposition I issue. It was very good. We don't have enough time. No, <laughs> okay, we'll talk fair about enough. it. Um, and whenever I went to comic stores, I would normally gravitate towards Spider-Man comics, and I would just look at covers and be like, "Oh, this looks interesting," and then get it and read it. So I wasn't very, you know, well versed in what was going on, but just reading things that interested me. And it was around 2005 that I really decided that I'm going to start collecting and reading comics on a regular basis. And it was Infinite Crisis, which I describe as the best and the worst thing to get latched on. The best because there are so many characters. Yeah. Um, so you can, if you have the intention of really understanding who these people are, you can do your research and then know a lot about it. But it's also bad because there was a lot going on. <laughs> but that also got me into, I got Identity Crisis, which to this day is one of my favorite stories. And then I went and got on eBay the original Crisis. So I, I read that. Yeah. Okay. So that's what got me. And then I did Civil War. So I was doing Marvel and uh, DC events and then from then on I started building my, my pull list. I think the only thing I had on my pull list at that time was the new Justice League that was coming out with Black Canary as the leader. I think that was like my first thing after that. But yeah, 
And I did all 52. I did 52 on Countdown. So I'm one of those people which... You're a Countdown survivor. I am. But yeah. weekly comics are so fatiguing, you know, to go and get them and, like, so expensive. But but that's my story. And I've, um, I go back and forth. Sometimes I my pull list is very DC heavy. And then I get up unhappy with that and then I like my Marvel is really it's really Marvel heavy but <clears throat> but I, I try to stick with both of them to a certain extent but I do find my joy certainly I stick with books and characters that I like I don't keep anything that I do not enjoy reading so that's my history very cool I guess I'll give mine uh, if you've listened to the show you may have heard it before but I'll do it sort of briefly for you too because I know you're sitting on the edges of your seat or just looking at your watches waiting when you can leave it, when I was very young, um, I had I had a lot of like funny books, you know. Like I don't know whether they were Harvey or whoever, but like you know, hot stuff and sad, sad sack was my personal favorite growing up. I had a bunch of sad sack comics. I would tell you that's like Beetle Bailey. You probably don't know what that is either, do you? I've heard of Beetle Bailey. Okay. <laughs> anyway, I, it's it's a funny army car comic. Anyway, I love those growing up. But then my sister, who's now passed away, got me two comics in my youth, and she gave them to me as like a secret admirer, just kind of being a sweet kind of thing to her younger brother. She got me an issue of Fantastic Four. I don't remember the number, but she got me Justice League number 171, I believe it was. It's one of the JSA, JLA crossovers. It's one where um, Mr. Terrific is killed, actually. And it's the first time I ever got exposed to any of this multi-world thing, and it just, my mind was blown. I'm like, there's two Green Lanterns from the Super Friends? What are you talking about? You know, it just blew my mind, and, and um, so that was kind of wild, but I wasn't a collector at this point. I started buying a few Star Wars comic books because, you know, it was Star Wars. Yeah. I still didn't consider myself a collector, even though I was buying it every month for quite a while. In between Empire and Return, I bought every month. But I still didn't consider myself a collector. It wasn't until I was in sixth grade at a new school. It was middle school. And I was at the lunch table. And we're all sitting around talking. And the kids were talking about something called Galactus and something called Magneto and, and Ultron. I'm like, what are you guys talking about? And I got openly mocked for not knowing who these characters were. I got peer pressured into reading comics. I was so embarrassed. They were like mocking me for not knowing who these characters were. I'd heard of Doctor Doom because I'd seen him on the Spider-Man cartoon. That was about it. So I went home, you know, crying the whole way home probably in tears and went to the local convenience store and they had Secret Wars number issue number two. And this was the comic the kids have been talking about. So I literally bought this comic with the intention of collecting it simply because I was embarrassed at school. It's not too often you hear about nerd bullying getting people into comics. So from then on, it just became a sickness. I was a Marvel collector for years, and then uh, eventually, around Crisis, figured out that DC is where I belong. I understand. You see, the music was the thing, the bullying thing. The, I swear I have five or six Metallica CDs because everybody I was friends with was listening to Metallica <laughs> in high school. Oh, yeah. And I didn't want to be, you know, left out. Left out. Music, music is one of those areas where a lot of people kind of get bullied into, yeah. you know, on the surface at least. You know, oh, I, I listen to this. You know, I'm gonna buy this. Puts Hall and Oates. And <laughs> tape player. Keep your uh, keep your pericomal quiet. You don't tell your friends about those, right? Uh, there was an instance where um, I had borrowed I had borrowed my mom's copy of the Righteous Brothers' Greatest Hits, and I can't remember why. There was probably some song I heard on the radio or something that I was like kept getting stuck in my head through. and I had it in my Walkman and, and somebody my Walkman was like hanging out my bag somebody put it on on there and they just kind of looked at me and just looked like what the hell is this <laughs> I was like what? and then I just kind of was like why are you touching my stuff and then he broke yeah. into a Peter Cetera number 
I am the man who will fight for your honor. I knew you were. Yeah. So besides uh, podcasting, Stella, what did you get bullied into? Bullied into? Sure. Or peer pressured into? Making inappropriate jokes. <laughs> like at this table tonight or just earlier in your life? Earlier in my life because, you know, in middle school I think was when all of this like, is, is when all of this stuff happens where like dirty jokes and like anatomical jokes oh, yeah, and stuff comes out. Stuff. And then you, well first of all you're mocked because like someone says something to you and you're like, what does that mean? And they're like, she doesn't know what that means. Yeah, exactly. And then you like start using it. So that's like the thing that comes to my mind first. Okay. So, dirty stuff, dirty right? Things. That makes sense. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I think we're gonna end it on that. Perfect. Oh my goodness. <laughs> <laughs> All right, folks. Thank you for listening to the Firewater Podcast. My thanks to Tom Panarese. Thanks for having me. Of Pop Culture Affidavit and uh, In Country and like I def- taking flights still up. Uh, yes, it's it is. Not ha- there's just no new episode. I listened to an episode just the other day. Oh well. You made me cry. Thank I'm you. Sorry. Thank, like a little girl, I did. Yeah. So, and Stella from Batgirl to Oracle from the Batman universe. Yep. All right. Thank you. All right, folks. That's gonna do it. My thanks again to our guests Keith G. Baker, Stella Bowman, and Tom Panarese. Be sure to check them out online as we discussed. If you'd like to leave a comment on the show, be sure to head over to firestormfan.com. You can also do the same at aquamanshrine.net. You can also hit us up on the social medias. You can find me under the handle firestormfan on Facebook, Twitter, Google+, Instagram, Tumblr, maybe even Pinterest. You can find Rob over at Aquaman Shrine on Facebook and Twitter. If you'd like to drop us an email, you can do that at firewaterpodcast at comcast.net. You can also visit our Tumblr at firewaterpodcast.tumblr.com. Not sure if I'll have anything specific from this episode out there, but be sure to check it out. Lots of stuff out there. All right, folks, that's going to do it. Until next time, fan the flame and ride the wave. Aquaman and Firestorm fighting crime together. Soak them down or burn them up. No one does it better. Whenever you find trouble, they'll always be there to catch them in a bubble or even torch their hair. Stand for truth and justice and see on land and air. Firestorm and Aquaman, they make a super pair. Aquaman and Firestorm, super friends forever. Yeah! So this is Shag. This is Stella. And we're meeting face-to-face for the first time, and I have to say, she's totally hot. I appreciate that, Shag.